Good morning, brethren, sisters and friends, everybody. It's lovely to see you all here this morning. I'm sorry to have to start on a sombre note, but as most of you will probably know, our brother Peter Griffiths uh, passed away in the early hours of Wednesday morning in his sleep. And so this morning, particularly our, our love and prayers are with Christine and Mike and Lucy, Rebecca and Christian and Emma in their sorrow at this time. And we pray that as a family we can be with them and support them uh, in their need. Andrew's got further details of the arrangements about the funeral during the week. But in Deuteronomy we read, The eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are everlasting wings. And in Psalm 55 we read, Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. And those words contain and continue to be a source of strength to us today. In all the changes and the turmoil we have to face in our lives, God remains eternal. He is a refuge, a place of shelter and safety in the storms of our lives. And because he is eternal, so is his support for us. The Bible often talks of God in very human terms, so that we will get the message. His arms are always there, and they will hold us up. And so with those thoughts, I thought we could sing together to commence our service this morning. Um, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. We'll sing this through twice, please. that your love is so steadfast. Throughout all the situations in our lives, you are merciful, Father. And we come to you now to praise you this morning, to thank you for the blessings you give to us, to thank you for your guidance, and to thank you, Lord, for leading us when we can't see the way or we are not sure of the way. We thank you for all these gifts and these blessings. Thank you for your supporting love. Father, we pray that today, as we meet, you will draw us closer together. Draw us closer to you as we meet here this morning. As we meet to remember all that Jesus did for us. He did it because you love us and because he loved us too. So we pray that, Lord Jesus, you will be amongst us here today. That what we do honours you and, and praises you. And importantly, builds us up too, Father, to be a true church, a true witness, <clears throat> reflecting the love of God and your love to those around us in the community and the people we meet day by day. So be with us now, we ask, through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Andrew's uh, just got himself sorted out. He's going to give us the announcements, please, for the coming week. Thank you, Andrew. John Bonani is in Bukavu, which is his hometown, where his mother is seriously ill. Please pray that John will be kept safe and that God will bless his work. 
We pray for Mary and Jack that Mary will regain strength after her recent treatment. Pauline sends her love to us all and says she's coping okay. Please continue to remember Pauline in your prayers. She does appreciate contact from us. We pray for Marion and Gladys who struggle with ongoing health problems. Derek is due to have an operation on his wrist and we pray that that will go well. Uh, it's good to see Nathan Gaston here for his first Sunday morning. We pray for a blessing uh, on on him and the family and we pray for a blessing on all our babies uh, and their parents. We pray for a blessing on them anyway. Andrew's asked that I give our pastoral prayer so if you've got anything that you'd like me to pray for please mention it now. Dear Lord, our Father, we come to you now with with many things in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you will be with, be close to and strengthen the Griffiths family this week. Give them the comfort that they need from you and from us as they, as, as they struggle with Pete's loss. We do pray that you will you will help us all to, to help them. Lord, we pray too for the many people who, who are struggling at this time or in difficult situations. Lord, we pray for John Bonani's mum. Lord, we pray that you, you will heal her and that you will give John the, the strength and the energy to, to be a, a good support and an encouragement to his family. And Lord, we pray that you keep him safe too in that dangerous place. We pray for, for Mary, that she will continue to recover after her treatment. We remember Pauline and Ma- Marion and Gladys and pray that you'll be with Derek in his operation. Lord, we pray too for Issa who's away. We pray that you be with him and that he will uh, have a good time away. And we pray too for, uh, for Derek's uh, sister, Jean, who's had a fall and we pray that you will you will heal her quickly and you will help the uh, the people who are caring for her to to make her strong lord we pray that you'll bless us now and be close to each one of us in jesus amen we'll be going to take our readings next slight diversion from one of the readings we're going to read together psalm 23 which rosie will lead us in reading and um then Psalm 91, which Vicky will lead us in reading. Thank you. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 91 He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midnight. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right side, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thank you, Rosie. Thank you, Vicky. The peace of God is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's limitless. We only know uh, a small part of that peace. And it's good if we can spread that peace um, around us in our daily lives. And those thoughts lead us to our next hymn, which we'll sing before we ask Mike to come and speak to us. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury, your pardon, Lord. And where there's doubt, true faith in you. We look forward now to an exhortation from Michael. Thank you. Good morning to those who I didn't get chance to speak to before the service started. I suppose in the light of the announcements which we've had this morning, brothers and sisters, um, I appreciate that there will be a feeling of heartfelt sadness here this morning. Um, a sadness which, um, even though Wendy and I didn't know Brother Peter, obviously as well as you did, uh, didn't share experiences with him like you have, uh, we nevertheless also share that sadness. 
Uh, and yet, when I was thinking about this, because uh, I was phoned up and told about it, um, which obviously changed exactly what I was going to say this morning, um, the thought came into my mind that even in the light of this sort of sadness, um, when we are reflecting and mourning, I suppose, as well, on, on the life of somebody who has fallen asleep, somebody who we've loved, in a sense, the fellowship which we enjoy with Almighty God and with our Lord Jesus and with each other, in those circumstances, to some extent, seems to be strengthened, doesn't it? Seems rather odd, but it, that's true, isn't it? Probably because we are all feeling the need and we, we're all more open to sharing the love of each other. And, and at the same time, it seems as well that um, the word of, of, of God that we've got in our hands here, even those words have a, a power to them which otherwise they don't seem to have. Uh, and I know when I was talking to Andrew, Andrew says, well, I want to change things this morning. I want to choose Psalm 23 because that seems to be most appropriate, doesn't it, to the circumstances in which we're in and the needs that we have. And I suppose it's true that each and every one of us will have our own scriptures from our own life experience, which at times like this means something to us very personally and to help us. And, and I've got some, and there were three which I was thinking about immediately um, when I thought about what I might say this morning, because it's always difficult to know what to say in circumstances like this, isn't it? How can you really help? So I'm just going to briefly show you the three, uh, particularly, that um, I had in my mind. And and the first one comes from um, our New Testament uh, readings, as we will go on, in in Paul's letters to the Corinthians. Um, We're not going to have any of those readings, obviously, today, but I think we know the circumstances at Corinth and what happened and the problems they had and how Paul tried to help them through their difficulties And when we get to the second letter, if it is the second letter, it might have been the third letter, uh, in chapter 1, there are some words there which always seem to be very pertinent at a time like this. And if we read from uh, verse 3, I'm using my ESV this morning, just in case you wonder what it is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. And they are comforting words, aren't they? Um, God comforts us, and through the comfort we receive from him, we can then pass that on and comfort others. And that's obviously what we're trying to do this morning, isn't it? And when you go on in Second Corinthians, you actually find examples how the Apostle Paul experienced that comfort uh, from the brothers and sisters. Um, 
And I was thinking about that. I mean, when one of our loved ones falls asleep, and I know as we had in the announcements, Brother Peter fell asleep, um, it's, it's often difficult to understand what's happening at the time, isn't it? What's the purpose behind it? Why do things happen at this point in time and in this particular way and in those particular circumstances? There are always questions, aren't there, which we have in our minds. And I've already heard it say, I'm struggling to get to grips with what happened to Peter. Why in those circumstances? Seems such a waste, such a loss, doesn't it? And there's no easy answer to it, is there? There is no easy answer to that. And in fact, the only answer is, as far as I can see, God knows. Not just that God knows, but God knows best. Doesn't he? That's the answer, isn't it, at the end of the day? After all the debating and all the worrying and all the concern... God knows best. And so, the comfort that comes from these words, really, is to trust in his love and his care and in the fact that he has an overriding purpose in the individual life and he will do what is right and what is good for us in those circumstances and that understanding simple appreciation I think can be a great consolation and a comfort can't it to know that God knows best so that was one of our passages my second one is a little bit different if you turn to Philippians chapter 4 um, again it's the Apostle Paul I mean they're all the Apostle Paul so, um, when you think about the, the Philippian letter, it's all about joy and rejoicing, which is a bit unusual, I suppose. But in the sense that, well, I say unusual, in, unusual in these circumstances, um, but it seems to be that what the Apostle Paul is trying to do in, in this letter is to show people the, uh, how we receive joy in our lives. And I, I'm not going to go into all that, but at the end... In the, in the last chapter, it's all about joy and contentment. Um, but he's expressing it in, in a way in which he's saying, he's actually received help from his brothers and sisters. He's in prison, um, and they've sent him support. Uh, and he, he's trying to explain to them that he doesn't really need that support, because uh, he's been supported by God. Hmm? But he knows that he, they're going to have difficulties and maybe they don't appreciate the things the same way as he does. And therefore he says um, in verse 19, um, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He knows that God will provide for their every need. And, and I think that's a real comfort, isn't it? Uh, for all of us in our lives. It's not my God can supply, um, is it? It's my God will 
supply, absolutely certain. Uh, and therefore we know, don't we, that, for instance, Christine now and the family have got a changed circumstance, haven't they? It, it's always going to be uncertain what's going to happen after you've been living like Christine has with Peter on their own for many years in their own company as a loving partner. Um, things are going to be different. There are going to be uncertainties, aren't they? And, and really God wants to reassure us that he is aware of these uncertainties and in one way or another help will come not may come not perhaps but will come so that's a real consolation in these circumstances and lastly my Next one is uh, going back to Corinthians, actually, First Corinthians uh, in chapter 12. It's a very simple one, this one. I mean, if, as soon as I say 1 Corinthians 12, you'll all know what it's about, won't you? Because it's all about uh, the body, and the body being made up of many different parts. And, of course, the Apostle Paul has a real need to explain to the Corinthians that um, one part is required very much by the other part. And we know the background to Corinthians, and we know why he was saying what he was saying. They were in an absolute mess, all trying to live independent, individual lives, and in conflict with each other. Now, we're not going to go into that, obviously, but what he's really saying, uh, when we get down to verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 12, a very powerful message. Um, very simply, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. And that really is what it's all about, isn't it, when we come here this morning. I didn't know who was going to be here whether the family were here or not and uh, who else was going to be here but th that's the key to it all isn't it that when one suffers then all suffer together we all are sharing in this sorrow and in this need and there as Andrew's already said isn't it there are loving arms aren't there around who will support and who will share this burden and this load. And we all have a part to play together in doing that, however we can. Well, I mean, those thoughts from those few passages actually are all summed up, in a sense, in, in Psalm 23, aren't they? In so many different words, but all say the same thing, quite honestly. Um... And David, King David, understood the consolation and the comfort that he could receive from our Heavenly Father in his time of need. And when we go then to that other reading that we had, which is Psalm 90, we find, of course, that uh, this is, it, the heading says, a Psalm of Moses. In fact, it's not just Psalm 90, it's Psalm 90 
90 and 91, the one that we read, those two psalms go together as a complete unit, I, I think. And, and it, it's interesting to think about the setting of those psalms again. It, it, it is another really sad occasion, believe it or not, when you look at it. Um, it would appear that the background to these two psalms is the tragedy that was happening in the wilderness. God had called all those people, his children, from the land of bondage, from Egypt, and was taking them to the promised land with a great hope before them. And in the wilderness he was teaching them Sadly, he had to go through this motion, didn't he, for 40 years, teaching them how to conduct themselves in his presence. And most of them, and in fact all but two of them, or the adults, never entered the promised land, did they? And that's the setting, quite honestly, of this, these Psalms, certainly of Psalm 90. If you think about it, there was a what? thought about one, one and a half million people who had left, the promise, had left the land of bondage and should have entered the promised land. And what happened to them? They all died in the wilderness, didn't they? They all perished. And, and it would appear that Psalm 90 is Moses reflecting on this tragedy. And if you do a single calculation, I actually did this, it would have meant that there would have been probably around about a hundred people every day being laid to rest. No, not laid to rest. Returning to the earth from which they came. Because they didn't enter the, the promised land, did they? Every day. And Moses is reflecting on this thought. Um, and, and if you look at Psalm 90 verse 12, he, he, he says, In the light of all this, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. That, that's, that's what should have come out of this for the people, but sadly for most it didn't, did it? And yet in, in the gloom of all that background, if we carry on to chapter 91, Psalm 91 that we actually read, of course th there is a very positive side to things, isn't there? The first few verses. For the man who is prepared to think and act wisely, he, verse 1, who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Um, Brother Andrew started, didn't he, and he mentioned about um, being under the protection of God's wings. There is, of course, this idea, as Jesus says, he would have taken Jerusalem, the children of Israel, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and protects them. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. I think the wings of protection here that he's talking about, uh, for Moses, where was Moses, for, where was his thoughts and his actions? 
It was in the presence of God in the meeting place, wasn't it? And here the wings, I think, are the cherubic wings over the Ark of the Covenant, where God dwelt with his people. Uh, and, And so being in the presence of God was where his consolation and his strength and his security, his refuge truly was. And, and that's what David said in his psalm, wasn't it? Psalm 23 at the end, dwelling in the Lord's presence forever. That, that, that's where we find our consolation and help. So there's a lovely, some lovely thoughts here, but they are contrasting thoughts, aren't they? There are those who perish because they don't respond and there are those who are actually saved because they come and dwell in the presence of the Lord continuously. Now, that thought embedded itself in my mind recently. Um, I'll tell you this little story. We've just come back from the Cameroon again having a a very um, stimulating time, I suppose. And, of course, the first thing that happened is you open the post, don't you? And you get back home. Uh, Emails, of course, this time. And there was an email waiting for me from um, Brother Vic in Malta telling me that my friend Lawrence had died. Now, that meant a lot to me. Um, some of you here have had experience with me out there and, and know this person. I've known Lawrence for who, certainly about 15, 16 years. Um, he came into my life early 90s when we were active trying to tell people about the good news and um, it was an amazing sort of event, really, because um, he'd applied for the correspondence course, uh, and as a result of that, I went to visit him. And on my first visit to him, it became known that he used to live in England. He was a Maltese chap, young lad, around the 30 age at that point in time. And he'd lived in England. His marriage, unfortunately, had broken up and he had a son and he had to go and find accommodation elsewhere and the person he went to stay with happened to be a young Christadelphian he shared a bed sit with this lad who explained to him that there were other things to think about in life other than his own tragedies and he took him along to the meeting and he listened to the gospel and he began to take an interest And uh, it turned out, amazingly, that that young man was a young man that Wendy and I taught in Sunday school up in the north of England. I mean, incredible coincidence. An absolutely incredible coincidence. And that forged a link between him and me, which has lasted all these years. And eventually he wanted to be baptised. And sadly, something happened in his life which from a personal point of view meant that he could not make a commitment to the Lord. 
Now I won't go into the details, there's a lot more to the story, a lot more to the story, but he could not make a commitment. And I saw him just before Christmas when I was out there last time, and I realised then how ill he was. So it didn't really come as a surprise to me to know that he was dying and had then died. But what a tragedy. He was a young man who knew the truth and refused to respond to it for his own reasons. And we did talk endlessly about it. And, and, and that to me was a personal tragedy. It really hurt what it could have been like. And, and yet the contrast, you see, with Brother Peter is, is stark, isn't it? And that's really where we really need to be thinking. Um, in contrast with Lawrence, Peter's circumstance is so different, isn't it? And, and there's a real consolation in this. Peter put on Christ and walked faithfully in his steps. And therefore the Apostle Paul tells us quite clearly that there is laid up a crown of righteousness for those who love his appearing. Uh, we're told also by Paul, aren't we, how we should respond um, when a, a, a person of faith like this dies. Words you know so well, but I think they are words of real comfort. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Now, we might struggle with some of those words, but we know what it means, don't we? There is a joyful end result. And, and therefore, he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. So that's what we should be doing, shouldn't we, today, brothers and sisters? Encouraging each other because we have such a wonderful hope. And so did Peter. And the Psalm 116 tells us again, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the death, in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And why was that? And I'm going to finish with this because I've gone on too long, I know that. Um, why, why is it precious? 
Why are individuals precious to God when they have faithfully died? Go back to um, Psalm 90 again. The one that seemed to be doom and gloom. There's just one verse there which speaks volumes. But it certainly seemed to me to do so. Um, Just, well, verse 13. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. Why are we precious to God? Why was Peter precious to God? That word satisfy means literally to completely fill, like filling up a jug with water, right, to the top, brimful. Fill us, the psalmist is saying, Moses is saying, in the morning with your steadfast love. Every morning when we wake up, we should be asking God to fill us with his steadfast love. And I'm sure, to some extent, that's what we want, isn't it? We all want. And I'm sure Peter did. And when we do that, what are we like? We are like the Lord Jesus, aren't we? If we live our lives with ourselves being full of God's steadfast love, if we go back to the first reading of today, Exodus 33, Moses says, show me your glory. And what did he show, what did God show him? He showed him his purpose, his character, his love, his compassion, his mercy, his graciousness. And that's love, isn't it? And that's what the Apostle Paul had to teach the Corinthian brothers and sisters in chapter 13. What that was all about. So, that's why we are precious to God. Because we have lived our lives in the light of his steadfast love and day by day being filled with his presence which we can there share with others well there was a lot more I wanted to say but I'm not going to say anymore Uh, there's lovely psalms which talk about the hope which we have in Christ Jesus but now we come to remember the price that was paid to give us such a wonderful hope and so that we could have everlasting joy in our hearts whatever circumstances we are in. Thank you Michael. given us lots of encouragement and hope and comfort. I was thinking when we look at those words in Second Corinthians, the word for comfort there, I've made a note in my Bible, means come alongside and Christ is able to come alongside us if we will let him. And uh, when you talk about filling us up, I remember years and years ago, I must have been about 14, sat next to Pete on a holiday in Wales 
and we've got our bowl of cornflakes and he said this is what you do and he got his hands he pressed it all down he said get good measure pressed down so he crunched them all up so we could get another bowl full in with the milk he said it was, and I always remember Pete and whenever I hear those words good measure pressed down I think of Pete and it's, it's a lovely a lovely memory let's think now of the, of the good measure pressed down that Jesus gave to us as we think about the way he gave himself selflessly and unconditionally for us and the bread and the wine before us remind us of that Um, we're going to sing before we take the bread and the wine Jesus said share this meal and I'd just like to focus on verse 4 really as you share in this way see in it my saving work in faith walk in love be my people live in me For take of the bread, I'll ask uh, Simon, please, to come and lead us in giving thanks. Lord, our Heavenly Father, our hearts are saddened, Lord, this morning, remembering Pete, remembering his life and his death, and we think of his family now, Lord. Let your loving arms be around him, Lord around them and keep them in your care Lord there are many sadnesses in our lives and we look to you for guidance and for love that you would fill us with your spirit of love that we may be encouraged to see forward from this life to the next to see forward from the hope to see forward to the hope that this death of the Lord Jesus has brought us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you gave yourself so fully that you were perfect, that you fulfilled what your Father wanted you to do. And in the bread, we see your body. We see your body broken for us. And we remember the agony and the pain that you suffered for us. And Lord, we just say thank you. We thank you for this gift. But Lord, as we go and take it, fill us with your spirit that we may feel a joy. A joy knowing that Pete can look forward to that kingdom and that we will look forward to a kingdom where Jesus will take this bread and this wine anew with us when his rule will be upon this earth. And so, Lord, please bless this bread as we take it. To the Lord Jesus we ask his prayer. Amen. The symbol of the bread of life, which was the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, Lord, as we come to think about this cup of wine, it makes us think just how precious we are to you. 
that you would give your only son to die for us, each one of us. And Lord, as we think about the comfort that you've poured into our lives, we realize that our cup overflows. But we've read verses, Father, that tell us that your comfort doesn't shouldn't stop with our own satisfaction. That the comfort that you've poured into our lives, we should then be sharing with other people. Lord, help us to think about how we can bring your comfort to brothers and sisters and friends in their time of greatest need. That we can be your people, living in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This cup of wine then represents to us the poured out lifeblood of Jesus shed for our sake. As Mark was saying, the, the great hope of the resurrection of Jesus, the first fruits, is what the bread and the wine declare. They proclaim it. They proclaim the Lord's death and renew the hope we have in the power of the risen Lord. And those thoughts are brought together to a degree in our concluding hymn, after which Martin will close with prayer for us, please. We shall be like him. Oh, how rich the promise! What greater could our Father's love prepare? Few are the words and softly are they spoken, but who shall tell the blessings hidden there? Lord God, we've, we've met together this morning and, and we've marked a death We've marked the death of a friend, of a brother. Lord, we've marked the death of two friends and two brothers. We've also thought about resurrection, about new life, about new beginnings. we thought about the resurrection of our Lord Jesus and its promise of new life for all who fall asleep in him. Lord God, there is sadness but there is also hope And Lord, we pray that for each of us, as we pass through the, the different emotions that we have at this time, that you will be with us throughout those different emotions. That you are with us in our sadness that you are the cause of our hope and Lord we pray for that day soon to come when you will wipe all tears from the eyes of those who weep 
and that we shall be like him. Lord, bless us as we go. Sustain us through this coming week and we particularly pray, Lord, for all of Pete's family and close friends that this week will be one that is necessary but also that they are sustained and receive a new blessing from you we pray and we ask this through Jesus Amen